listening to the sermons of the late Pastor Frank Hampton Jr., who pastored the Church of God in Jackson, Michigan from 1963 to 2018. If you would like to learn more about Pastor Hampton or the Church of God, please visit our website at www.churchofgodjackson.com. Again, that's www.churchofgodjackson.com. We hope you enjoy the message. God bless. Praise your dear name. Another privilege. Almighty God, we have repeated this many times, but it's a grand thing, Lord, to be able to assemble with your people. And thank you how you sustained us and blessed us so marvelously in so many ways since we were together last. Now, Lord, we need you again tonight. Extend your loving arm to the glory of God. Help us through this service. We pray in a very definite way, Lord. We pray, Lord God, that we'll continue to move, Lord. We thank you, Father, how thou art moving by your spirit and by the grace of God. We want to play our part, Lord, in the perpetuation of this great move of God. Have your way tonight, Lord, and speak to our hearts and help us out in a very definite way. Hold back the very power of the darkness, move him out of the way in Jesus' name. The divine unction, divine strength, and authority from the throne of God. Praise your matchless, righteous name forever. Amen. The 12th chapter of the book of Mark, verses 28 through 31. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like Namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Undivided love. This is the first and great commandment. A commandment means that God will accept nothing less than this. We solicit your prayers this evening. The Bible says that when this scribe came to Jesus suggesting or asking him the question, what is the greatest of the commandments, Jesus retorted thither, loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, meaning that all of your faculties brought together, all that you are, all that you possess, all that you are capable of perceiving, loving God with all of it. Now, do you want to get this tonight? This is a commandment. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. You don't go to heaven without this. 
I did want you, you, you follow me and pray with me tonight. Uh, the question was asked once, Lord, are there few that be saved? And Jesus said, enter in at the straight gate, for wide is the way and broad is the way, rather, and narrow is the way that lead to life, and there be few that find it. But broad is the way that lead to destruction. And many there be which go in the rest. Now, there won't be many people saved, Jesus said. It's our responsibility to gather all that we can. And this is the reason why. See, God made no alternative for a lack of love. We're living in a day of divided affection, which is totally unacceptable to God. Will you pray with me? Now, dear one, let me tell you something. There'll be a few saved, but none saved shorter than a full gospel. The first commandment is, hear, O Israel. You're spiritual Israel, so hear tonight. You must hear first. See, you can't be saved. You've got to hear. How can you hear without a preacher? And how can he preach unless he's sent? Hear tonight. Hear, O saints. Hear, O saints. All right. Now, many things in the Bible are figurative, uh, symbolic, but the one, this is absolutely literal in every sense of the word. You've got to love God like this. This is God's standard of love. There is no loving or acceptable standard of love other than this. So you've got to see it right. You must interpret it proper. You must accept it in every detail because it's a commandment. According to this standard, they want you to have to count the people on your hands that are up to it. Now listen to the word of God. All right. If you get this right, everything else will fall in place. People are having difficulties one after another because the foundation is improper. Children, saints of God, dear ones, get this please. Now, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you will. And I would like for you to begin reading at verse 1. This know also. This know also. That in the last days, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, Heady, high-minded, high lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. Will you pray with me? Now, the issue of our day, according to the apostle, in the last days, this would be the problem. Not that men would just outright uh, have no love for God. But the problem is this, they're gonna love pleasure more. Will you pray with me? Pleasure is that which pleases you. It's not the bar or the fear necessarily, but what pleases you. 
Do you pray for me tonight? I, 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 I would go to despair if I was not certain that there are a few at least who have an ear to hear. So the Bible said, those that have an ear to hear. That's what Jesus preached. Will you pray with me? Now, dear one, let me show you this. Why are you here tonight? You're here, I trust, to see what God has to say. You don't know how despairing and distressing it is. People hear this gospel, the only hope of their salvation, and it's almost as though it did not go forth. Well, let me show you something. Love and pleasure more than God is almost predominant. Look, Dewan, let me show you this. You prove or your love for an object or a person is determined by the devotion you give to it. Dewan, don't you know the average individual devotes themselves to things that has nothing to do with God almost entirely and don't even seem to realize it? That they're loving that more than God? See, it's too much to say you do, but they want you determine it by your devotion. You devote yourself to that which you love most. They want, let me tell you something. Most people are so caught up in life that if they have any kind of project going, they can give themselves to it and, and almost leave God out of it altogether. Will you pray me tonight? I mean, they are naive enough to see, feel that the demands of their project legitimizes their devotion to it. And they want, that's their pattern of life. You listen to me, do you want? See, listen. When God is calling, and he's calling continually, and for whatever reason you can't respond, it's because there's something you love more, and you can't drop it. We may well face it tonight, we're going to face it in eternity. All right. I was reading a commentary, Adam Clark, because he was a seemingly devoted and consecrated individual. And I decided that this comments, or these comments are worthy of repetition. Because I want to define this to us in every detail that I can because I'm digging as deep as we know how to dig. This morning in devotion, I was interrupted with this scripture, this thought. Let me see, I'm gonna read it uh, for you here. Uh, but what is implied in loving God with all the heart, soul, mind, strength? And when may a man be said to do this? He loves God with all his heart who loves nothing in comparison of him and nothing but in reference to him. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Wait a minute. I'm, 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 I thought I was going to read it, but I'm going to have to stop. Nothing but in reference to him. In other words, if what I'm doing engaged in or involved in is not in reference to God, then I don't, I don't love it. I can't bother it. It has to be in reference to God. I, it has to point to God whatever I involve myself in. Otherwise, it will divide your affection. See, that's why you, these games and all of this kind of little sideline stuff and all these little hobbies and stuff, the one, it will divide your affection. Do you hear me? And you, if you cannot conscientiously say that it's in reference to God, you got to leave it alone. The one now, the the the, the older saints drew the line, and they just put it where it ought to be. But now, see, the one. Let me show you something. If you aren't careful, you're going to try to insist to bring something into the kingdom, and if you prevail. It would mean apostasy for all that's involved. Now, let me show you some children. Listen, while we're here. They want, don't be naive. Don't toy with any foreign mess 
and try to bring it to the church. No, we don't have, we don't have time. The pastor don't have time to be picking out a little mess now. Listen, if it's not in reference to God, leave it alone. All these little things that popping up every other day, we met, we've dealt with this, the, 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 the pictures and the, and the, and the, and the uh, videos and all this kind of mess. We ain't got time for the mess now, children. I'm telling you the truth. And, and it's see, just about everybody that does it, the grace of God is leaking out your soul. We don't have time for that now. We don't have time to try to legitimize the questionable. If it's not in reference to God, leave it alone. And if you love God like you ought, you ought to be able to drop it. I don't care what it is. We don't have time to push past our country and wonder whether it's going to be all right or, or wonder what the pastor or the saints might say about it after, after they find out. We ain't got time for no mess like that. We ought to be beyond that now. We can, the church can't go and we got to wonder and, and uh, reissue thing and here's come something up and well, I figure it can do good, it can be beneficial. And you can interpret anything and make it good if you want to. Come on. Yeah, I can think about why, what, maybe a carrying a pistol might be good. You might be a bear. Anything you, but you know. But then when we just, we ain't grabbing, we ain't got time for no foolishness now. Oh, may God bless us. And may God take away our naivete here. He loves nothing in comparison of him and nothing but in reference to him. It has to be in reference to God. I have no love for it at all. It had to be in reference to God. Do you want to let me tell you something? Somebody's going to make heaven a few. But by the grace of Almighty God, as I dig down into the word of God, I mean for the change my life by day. Change me. From glory to glory. I mean that. Now, if it's too much, it might stifle you. It, see, a common mind can't accept this. It's too much for them. Now, I'm telling you, to do everything you do in reference to God, that's too much. See, that cuts out all of this pleasure and all this ad lib kind of stuff. Who is ready to give up? Do or suffer anything in order to please and glorify God. Give up, do, or suffer anything to glorify God. Who has in his heart neither love, nor hatred, hope, nor fear, inclination, or aversion, desire, nor delight, but as they relate to God? Nothing impresses me, have any of my affection, unless it relates to God. Absolutely nothing. Now I'm going to think of all of my little games, all of my little toys, all of my little hobbies involved in my conversation. It has no delight at all unless it relates directly to God. Now you think about it. You put all your little stuff in a bag and shake it out on the floor and look it over. Well, no, people are not going to accept it. Well, that's why Jesus said only a few are going to be saved. Because this is entirely too much for the carnal individual. And they're not going to start it because they got too much to deal with. So they're just going to go in and try to hope some way, somehow they make it without this. But you won't. He loves God with all his soul. Or rather with all his life. Who is ready to give up life for his sake. To endure all sorts of torments. And to be deprived of all kinds of comforts. Rather than dishonor God. Who employs life with all of its comforts and conveniences to glorify God in, by, and through all. To whom life and death are nothing but as they come from and lead to God. Life or death means absolutely nothing but a means to glorify God. Other than that, you see, they won't let me tell you something. Will you please listen to me? Don't you know the only reason why you can legitimize anything you're doing is because you're attempting to glorify God? 
See, if you were getting married for any other reason, don't you know that's the wrong kind of marriage? Don't you realize that? It had to be to glorify God. Lord, this can make me a better servant for you. And I don't mean to attach in your own little reason. I mean in a, that should be your very heart desire. That should be the underlying factor. The Bible says whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Lord, I'm spending this much time a day in this because I'm thinking glorify God. I'm going here, I'm going there because I prayed about it and I think it's certain that I'm glorifying God and I feel confident that I am. From this divine principle spring the blood of the martyrs, which became the seed of the church. You know why they could go to death with such readiness? Because they loved God more than they loved their lives. And you can't say that if you're doing everything to preserve life. Well, let me show you something. Will y'all pray me? I guess I have been more perplexed and disturbed of late about the church world in general in the last few days than I ever have before. You know what? Now, let me show you something, children. Look, if by your own admission, we are bereft or without the manifestations of God. And you seem to be so disturbed about it. But rather than a more devoted life, people's minds are turning more to the world. The comforts of life and the, and the, the dainties of life. And that seems to be what's disturbing them. More than uh, shedding to get a greater insight and a greater relationship with God. Now, I'll tell you what they want. You watch it and you mark your own life and you see what will be the one desire that is the most demanding in your life. People have sufficient, but they are demanding more or another or something different. Even though their spiritual lives are not, uh, they, they must admit that it's not what they wanted to be, but they're still seeking more of life. That's you what their love is. And they want, let me tell you something, your love can shift at the snap of your finger. You can be loving God in his cause and the devil can take you up to the high mountain and your affections will shift momentarily. And that's what is happening, that's bringing apostasy. I had an alarming statistics. I said, Lord, how many people could I feel certain in the congregation that will not go into apostasy? And I won't tell you the approximate number I came up with. They overcame through the blood of the Lamb and loved not their lives unto death. He loved God with all of his strength who exerts all the powers of his body and soul to serve God. When I'm exerting myself, my power and my strength, I'm doing it to serve God. When I'm wet with perspiration, it's because I've been trying to pray through. Amen. When I am exerting myself and my energy and whatever, I'm doing that to glorify God. Is something that will enhance my relationship with God. See, this little superficial stuff that people call love for God is not even acceptable. Listen, listen. Love is a pleasure more than love of God. Now here, people who would drench themselves in what they call legitimate pleasure would never exert themselves in prayer. They don't, unless the temperature is 100 degrees and you just perspire normally, they don't recall a time they perspired in prayer. But they perspired and all that in their attempt to have fun. They exerted themselves to no end trying to exhilarate themselves. 
love of the pleasure more than love of God. Do you want to let me show you something? You just listen to me. Do you want to let me tell you something? Do you know even on ships that are supposed to be missions or whatever, in many cases, the very highlight of the individuals going is to find the mall or the one restaurant they went to before or something of, of a light nature. Do you hear me? Some people could be contented even not to attend the services and go out and enjoy themselves. Anyway, I want you to listen to me. See, I want you to think with me. Because unless we are awakened, we go, there's going to be a shock in the judgment that's going to be uh, unthinkable. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. See, loving God in theory is not loving God indeed. Well, brother, why don't people realize this? Because they know how to talk about it. Oh, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. See, that's a theory. And that deceives them because they can talk about it so good. See, but their words, their action betrays them. How am I going to love God so extreme and spend maybe 10 minutes or 15 minutes at the most a day in direct contact, direct conversation, direct communication with God, but I spend hours doing whatever else I want to do? What's the, will you just listen, reason with me, whether you respond to me what I'm saying or not? Just think for your own soul benefit. Listen. Those of us who have and who are and who did talk about corresponding in your courtship and all that. We have some embarrassing telephone bills. Really embarrassing. $245, $300. And all, I mean, uh, hour and 15 minutes, two hours and 27 minutes. When, when did you ever spend an hour and 15 minutes in prayer? Ever in your life, unless we were up here maybe an all night prayer, and you try to hang with him with the sleep half of it. You know, I, I, I want you to listen to me, children. I want you to listen to me. What you know, what see, because you're supposed to be in love, and all that you can do to manifest your love through your conversation or whatever you want to do it. So you just talk and you talk and you talk. And you want to be in that presence every time you get a chance. Will y'all pray to me? Be one. Will you please reason with me? How can it be any different with God? How can it be so difficult to stay before God a little while? Well, brother, after four minutes, I can't find nothing to say. Well, what, I ain't never heard you say about your conversation with your boyfriend. After four minutes, I can't find nothing to say. You just repeat or do something, because you're going to stay there for a while. That's right. They wanted, we would ask my leader, but some people could not pray four minutes at the hall if they had to. And certainly, after a while, after they go on and, and uh, say what they got to say, maybe repeat two or three saints' names. That's about the extent of it. But as far as getting caught up in prayer and just going on indefinitely, don't you know that's almost a non-existent experience among so-called people of God? And I wish y'all listened to me tonight. I wish somebody listened to me tonight. I wish this changed some of you tonight. I wish you make a comparison here with your love for God and your love for your environment. Because that's the only way you prove your love. That's why you call it. That's why you're talking. That's why you're devoting yourself. Because you're trying to prove you're proving your love for it. And you're proving your love to God by keeping constant communication. If some of us could, we would have an unbroken communication, a hotline between us and our fiancés and friends and, and, and correspondents. We'd have a hotline, a direct line. We'd just keep it all, we keep our earphones in all, all day long and we could do it. Just talk all day long and all night, wake up talking. Amen. Well, that's what God, that's what the word of God recommends for prayer. Say, pray always. 
We all study the Word of God and try your best to, to get situated before Jesus comes with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Pray without ceasing. Keep your phone plugged into God all the time. And these other little superficial stuff, will you please just let it be a passing fancy? Even those things that are deemed so necessary. You all might hear this, but see, it might be too strong for you, but it's the Word of God. And because it's so much for some people, they just won't even attempt anything because they decide it's too much. Now I'm going to tell you, getting saved, some of y'all, you're never going to make it, you're going to just have to drop some of this mess and all this play and all this foolishness because it's divided affection. You ought to be seeking a relationship with God that's going to take you through. You ought to be trying to enhance your love to God. Instead of seeing how much you can love something else and still be saved. I'm going to tell you, children. And don't you tell me. See, you're not going to, you're not going to push anything over me. Don't you tell me you can devote and get yourself all into something and don't love it. Oh, I'm just doing it. I'm just doing it. No, you're doing it because you love to do it. And you become so involved because you get, you, you, uh, you, it, it, your affection is, is intertwined. Come on. Some people sit up and play Scrabble all night long. And all different kind of mess. Any kind of stuff. Just play it. Just play it. Love it. Chess. Just play it. 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 Crossword puzzle. Just play it. Just play it. Just play it. Hours. Three or four hours with old crossword puzzle. Got old people. Started finding you know, just making references. Cross references. But how many times they got a commentary and a Bible and a, and, a, and, a, and a reference book and concordance? All them books make reference in the Word of God. Come on! Drive all the way to California with a crossword puzzle in the net. Come on! And just got them stacked up going by a crossword puzzle book. Crossword puzzle. Got them all down the side, beside the bed, under here the bed. Clean out money bag, got about four money. Come on! And then a pretty, that pretty little Bible sitting over in the box. Brother, if some of us could deal with the scripture as we can with a crossword puzzle, some of us are, are professional crossword puzzle workers. Why? You can do that because you love it. You're diligent. You're loyal to it. And other things. And other things. Other people just get just dive off into it. Just sit up and look through your collections all day long. Any kind of junk. Just do this. I mean, because what? You do because you love things, whatever kind of thing, whatever things. Amen. I mean, just just sit up all day matching clothes up and doing this anything, putting in putting shoes beside his dress and anything else. Go back through it five times. Get some more machine wood in five years. Start trying to mess it up with something. People love like they, they look that that's what they, they just they, that's the, the carnal and the thinking that that's what they love. Amen. Some people set up to two or three o'clock in the morning reading novels. Come on. Got him in the bathroom. Here we all read a whole book. You know the how, where, and how, and what position. So I'm gonna, come on, come on, come on. You listen to me. You listen to me. Come on, go back out of the garden and can't find it. Let me see. Oh, look at my book. You got to have yourself to get, get your reading material together. You love it. You love that kind of mess. Oh, what a mess.
He loves God with all his strength, who exerts all the power of his body and soul in the service of God. The one we often take. You know what? The one, let me tell you something. Some people are so involved in their personal affairs, they are no good when they come to service. No good at all. They're done. Done for. Whatever the season might be. In the summertime, they in the garden, in the garden, in the yard, in chopping cabbage or whatever, and they come to service, just walk out. And some, after they sleep through church, go back home and get back on the garden. You see, you got to reckon with this. You got to reckon with it. You, whether you, you, you might turn me off, do what you want to do, but you got to reckon with it. Amen. You know, they want many times the people who you say, Lord, how in the world is it that that person could have lost out with God? Because all you see of them is such solemnity and holiness. And after a while, you, after it's all over, you uh, rack your brain trying to decide what happened. And you go home, they got a whole basement full of airplanes and all the kind of they build about all night long, building airplanes and building ships and, and little apes and anything else. Just doing stuff, just got to mess all the carving on stuff and cutting and whittling. For hours at a time. Can't get home to church, Charlie. Forget what the message says. Go home and start sawing on something, whittling on something. Gluing stuff together. I'm telling you. And you wonder, Lord, what happened to that individual? And you find out that their affection was glued in something else and God took his grace away. God said, I'm jealous. God said, listen, I'm not going, I'm not, no, I'm not staying here. I'm not staying here. That's all there is to it. You can put all your effects and everything. I'm just not staying here. You're just going to be dry. That's why some people go up and go up and through a year and a year without a testimony. They're dry as a powerhouse. And when they do get one, they just, uh, well, in testified it's eight months. Why? God took his grace away because your affection were divided, divided. And God got jealous and got his hat. You grieved him, he got his hat, and said goodbye. And he's gone. And left you with just an empty, dead shell. Loving God with all your heart. See, the word of God, that's a commandment. And they want that you can say, you can, you can revise it, you can do it, but there is nothing you can do to that. Nothing, absolutely nothing. You're going to love God with all your heart. In other words, you, there are no side affections. All your soul, your very life, got to be involved in, every, in God. All your energies. We sing a song sometimes, give your best to the master. Do you want to know, you know some people don't give their best strength to God? God gets their secondary energies. They have no endurance for God. Sometimes we have a few marathon services under some circumstances where we're in that three or four hours or so, and they want you don't know how miserable some people are. I don't care how God might be working. They are as miserable as can be. But the other thing they want, they, can, they, are, they don't even get tired. They were, I'm going to tell you something. God help me. I, I want to go to glory. I want, I, want, I, want, I want all that the Bible implies. You know, they want, let me tell you something. All of this energy uh, people are exerting trying to get things going. You know, uh, people are not satisfied with this, not satisfied with that. You know, uh, as God said, you are living in sealed houses and my place, you know, if people will exert as much in trying to get the cause of God going and get some uh, worship houses built where people need it so badly, they want to change their house and get a better one. They, they, they can get they, people worship by doing the way they want to worship. See, they want to see, that's, you talk about miracles. You, you can forget all that. For the most of God might perform a few just to show that he, he got it approved upon a few people. But, I'm, but on a general basis, we'll show you why. But see, God can show us why, but most people are so far from it, they can't get back to it. it the road is too rough to get back to it. All right. 
who sacrifices time, his body, his health, his ease for the honor of God, his divine master, who employs his service, all his goods, his talents, his power, credit, authority, and influence. He loves God with all of his mind, with all of his intellect, who applies himself only to know God and his holy will. Listen. Who receive with submission, gratitude, and pleasure the sacred truth which God has revealed to man, who studies no art or science, but as far as it is necessary for the service of God. My Lord have mercy. If you are studying, involving yourself, expanding your mind, you can only do it so far as it will glorify God. Now all this other stuff is pride. To, to, to uh, get something to esteem you, uh, that you might have a little earthly knowledge to show off, the one, only as it glorifies God. Let me show you something. That's why in the early days of this nation, brother, I'm gonna show you something. That's why God has blessed this nation. The people had a vision. All of our institutions, you've heard me say this before, of higher learning was only to train men for the ministry. Because they realize the worth of souls and all of this other stuff, and all this extraneous mess was just something to satisfy man's ego. Just going, keep on going, just keep on going. So all of the knowledge that you acquire, whether in arts or science or what, just so far as it can glorify God, your involvement, your studies or whatever. Nothing for self-aggrandizement or for personal esteem. Now I'm talking about to love God with all your heart and your soul, your mind and your strength. All of it. Every last bit of it. This is the gospel that Jesus preached. You know, I'm going to tell you something. Do you see why all those people got discouraged when Jesus preached that message over in John 6? They just got discouraged. The Lord is too much. Who can hear it? Jesus, that's all I got for you. He had 12 more people. He said, what are you all going to do? You going? Because yeah, I have nothing else. This is all that I have. And the Holy Ghost illuminated their minds, and they really saw what it required. And some just said, well, we're just, we just sorry. We just, we just cannot apply ourselves like that. And you know what people are saying tonight? You know what people are invariably saying in this audience tonight? I'm sorry, I just can't apply myself like that. You might not be saying it, but as far as accepting it, that's your attitude. How you know? I, I, I'll tell you. And if you don't believe it, you take a real close introspection of your own self, and if you've got enough honesty and perception to sense it, you will admit it a little later. Let me read that again, if I may. He loves God with all his mind, all his intellect, who applies himself only to know God and his holy will, who receives with submission, gratitude, and pleasure the sacred truth which God has revealed to man, who studies no art nor science, but as far as it is necessary for the service of God, and uses it at all times to promote his glory who forms no projects or designs but in reference to God and the interests of mankind, who banishes from his understanding and memory every useless, foolish, and dangerous thought, together with every idea which has any tendency to defile his soul, or turn it for a moment from the center of eternal repose. In a word, he who sees God in all things, think of him at all times, having his mind continually fixed upon God, acknowledging him in all his ways, who begins, continues, and in all his thoughts, words, and works to the glory of his name. This is the person who loves God 
with all his heart, life, strength, and intellect. He's crucified to the world and the world to him. He lives, yet not he, but Christ lives in him. He beholds as in a glass the glory of the Lord and is changed into the same image from glory to glory, simply and constantly looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of his faith. He received continual supplies of enlightening and sanctifying grace and thus fitted for every good word and work. This love in action in Acts chapter 4, verse 29. All right, if you'll read it for me. And now, Lord, behold that threatenings and grant unto thy servant with all that with all boldness they may speak the word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that sign and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. Now they were asking God for sign and wonders but let me show you let me show you what brought these sign and wonders these miracles these manifestations of divine power let me show you the kind of life, the kind of dedication that brought it. All right? And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither were there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of land and how sold them. Listen, listen. This is what the love of God constrained them to do. But they want it in reverse now. People are not doing that. They're trying to get more of it and exchange and get better and more luxurious. You see what I'm talking about? Can you see why apostasy is about to get us? But see, that's legal and honorable in the sight of many. And they cannot see beyond that. And their, their earthly minds is impelling them to do it. It's not, see, they want you, we, if you're already uh, distant from a thing, you can't go in that direction and get there. You got to go back, not pile up more of the world and become more. Uh, luxurious and self-loving and self-indulging. Can't you see that? But they want, that's not the way people think in the day. But they still think some way, somehow, the glory is going to come. God help us. God help us. Neither were there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of land or houses sold them, and brought the prize of them that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. That's loving God and their neighbor as themselves. You know, they want over in First John, I want to read that very quickly. Chapter 2, chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 14, verse 15. We're going to sort of expedite here. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. You see, do you want it? Uh, it'll divide your affection. What's termed this worldliness in the Bible is not what we normally term as worldliness, or maybe only in part. Love not the world. You know what? Do you want? Let me tell you something. Uh, do you know? Unless God does intervene, we are verging on spiritual catastrophe. They sang a song a few moments ago. How many, how many, you listen to me please. How many evangelists, young evangelists do you know, who are rising up, setting out according to the word of God, to take the word of God throughout, and just in God's hand? Are you, do, 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 are you with me? Who's doing it? And then when you get this, those who are capable, those who have the ability, have almost shifted their affection. They're going back and trying to live again, like Demas did. 
And you know what happened? I tell you, young men, when you get married, and many times worldly wives are responsible. They're tying their husbands up and they can't get loose. Honey, I, wanna, I, need, a, I need another wardrobe. I need another house. I need another car. And the poor men are so involved that they can't break free. They cannot break free. And then one day when they have to account for that ministry, they won't be able to do it with joy. Because people love the world. And they're loving what everybody loves, like the Gentiles. And, but the devil eased them right into it, and they, don't even, and they can't sense it. In a time like this, they want, you can't be in God's will and enjoy a lot of stuff anyway. As burden, they want as, as much as happening and, and as much as our affections are demanded for things of the God, if, if, unless you're just going to be oblivious to it, just say, well, live that for you or whatever. The survivor period, be discouraged, unless that's your attitude towards the kingdom. But this little idea that I tell you and as I often repeat of just trying to go into the ministry and preaching every once in a while. Now, let me show you something, children. Oh, Lord, help us. Don't you know they want, what, what does the Bible mean to you? Don't you know we are stewards of what God gave us? If God gave you time, some of us got the ability to explain scripture, to go forth, and Mike could even turn cities upside down if we would give ourselves to God in the right way. But don't you know that we're too bound to even make a venture? And many who would do it can't do it. Many who have had anointings and can go forth in a real way, got mighty uh, ability in the scripture, have fooled around, messed around, and if they ain't careful, we'll shift it back. Now they want to live again like demons. If they want you watch it. You mark my word. The effect of it is going to be devastating. We're going to almost have a wiped out young ministry. What? The enemy has shifted them for the most part. And what will the church be like? They want to pray with me tonight. You can't just give them and pound a lot of strict principles. That's not anything. We can't wait. We can't go here. That's, that, that's, that's uh, farce. Your life has to be commensurate with what you're talking about. Amen. Trying to cram a lot of strict things down people's throat. You can't stay out of apostasy like that. And if you're uncaring, the very thing you preach against, you're going to be doing it pretty soon yourself. The very thing you're hammering against, you're going to be eating it up after a while if you ain't careful. You get excited and preach against a lot of things, and after a while, you get an opportunity to enjoy those things, and you're going to grab hold to it and legitimize it. You're going to love pleasure more than you're going to love God. What was I reading? First John 2? Read for me a little more. Love not the world. Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. You cannot love God with all your heart. Now, see, that's why John goes on to define it because you would put your own interpretation on it otherwise. So he goes on to define what the world is so that you will understand and that you will know. Go on. If any man love the world, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The love of the Father is just not in him. Now you know what they want, as I say, uh, the Bible speaks in such definite terms that we cannot see that we don't, the love of God is not in us because we disobey this. Because it's too positive, too definite, too final. So we just cannot say, well, I know I love God. Maybe I'm not up to that. But see, that, that's what I'm talking about. You can't accept the word. I know I love God, and I'm not up to that. But I, don't, I know I love God. But it would be too much to say that I don't. So God's word will be made of non-effect. Be done. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. Now listen, see, they want, we, we've gone over this so many times. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. And the pride of life. You know what they want? Let me tell you something. You know why people are making so many purchases? So many, they go places and they expose the thing and they're trying to satisfy their eyes. They see and they're trying to get an eye full. They, they, 
Uh, let me tell you something, children. The only way some of us will ever curtail all of this spending and heaping up stuff, you cannot expose yourself because if you see it, you're going to get it. Yes, you will. See, there's a spirit that goes with it. If you're always there where it is, you're going to find yourself piling it up. Now, you, you listen to me. I don't care if it's the Roman still, I don't care if it's the Yorkshire, I don't care what it is. If you see it, you're going to get it because there's, there you got, there's an eye you got to satisfy. Now, that's different than the lust of the flesh now. See, but you all, you, we know about lust is another man's wife. That's the, see, but, that, and that, but this is so far from that, which is, and it's so condemning. And the pride of life. We want something more so that we can get the ooze and all the people. Oh, what a lovely car, what a lovely house, what a lovely dress, what a lovely suit, what a lovely coat. Oh, what the pride of life. Won't people be flabbergasted at the sight of it? Preach against that and then do it. Talk against it and then go and jump into it. And I say, I say, Lord, I, I, I say, I'm afraid. I say, I, I really don't see how we're going to put it out. People have gotten too far into it now. Only a few individuals have decided to live differently and will not be changed. But many have gotten so far off into it now, it would be too much to come back. Do you hear me? The pride of life. You don't have to have much to be overwhelmed with the pride of life. Maybe you don't have to have a lot to offer. You don't have to be that much. But it's what you choose to be or what you want to be thought of. See, you can say, I want it for this reason, that reason. But God knows why you really want it. You can attach a virtuous name to your desires. Loving God with all of your heart. That means all of your energy, all of your soul, all of your life. Everything you do is in reference to God. All of your striving, all of your ambitions is toward God. All of it, every bit of it. See, they want the Catholics are as diligent as anybody at Mass. Brother, we have people next door to us that at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, whatever time, brother, that garage door is up and that car is gone maybe 52 Sundays a year. But after that, it's all over. And brother, they'll count those bees as dil more diligent and, and be more wrapped in that and than you are here. More attentive, more involved. I don't care how starchy they are. Doctors and lawyers, they'll kneel right down on those kneeling pads and, and humble themselves right there at church. You know, we get that same spirit in a more sophisticated way. All of our dedication is right here, but brother, as far as our lives are concerned, there are times, the one where there is no consciousness of God on the, on the part of most of us. We're so involved that we don't think about God maybe even in hours because other things are crowding out the thoughts of God. But we think about it, we think nothing about it. We go to, we, go, we have a good service tonight and we'll come and be real sanctimonious during our service and that accounts for our spirituality in most cases. Loving God. Well, anyway, I'm gonna ask you this. How do you explain it? What, what, can you, what else can you do with it? With all of your heart, all of your soul. What do you, what do, you do with it? How else can you do, how else can you explain it? With all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. How can you justify a divided mind, ever? How can you justify uh, hours of idleness? And thought involving things that you in reading material that, that takes your mind and there's nothing in it at all that would enhance you spiritually otherwise. Doing a lot of study that's not at all beneficial to the kingdom or to you spiritually. Filling your mind with comics and, and all kind of little silly mess. 
A sanctified mind don't have a place for certain things. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you. There's certain kind of reading material, no more than it does TV. Now I'm telling you. Some things filtrate your mind just as much as TV. And, but you're not going to stop because it's left up to you. Because we might never blast you as definite as we would about a TV. So, but it does as much to your mind as a TV would. There's some stuff you can read. And have you sit up laughing on a lot of foolish, uh, fictitious mess, you'd be up and just chuckling and laughing. Carried away with it. All your heart, all your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. That's the death too much to die. Your soul cries when they think about the prospects of that, doesn't it? It's just too much, Lord, just to give myself like that. Now, I'm doing better than most people. I'm fasting and I'm praying, but this all, this all, this all is too much. See, a fella once came to the barbershop. They had some kind of little thing in prison where uh, they would let you out for a weekend a year or something like that. He said, well, man, look, he said, I can do it. Uh, indefinite. Let me out for a weekend because I can come out, you know, and kind of, you know, and get relieved a little bit and go back, you know. Well, that's just the way most people are. Well, I can do anything. I can be sacrificial, but just let me get a little relief every once in a while. Let me relieve myself. Let me let my hand down every once in a while. Just let me throw, put spiritual things on the shelf and let me just live for a little while. See, but Jesus says, all of your soul, all of your mind, let me do something else with my mind sometimes. And my affection, don't, don't just, just pen, it's, that's too demanding. That's unreasonable in your estimation. All your strength. And then he goes on to say your neighbor is yourself, which is just as demanding or difficult. That's a scripture we almost read or cites uh, each time we get up because it's so pertinent to this age. The scripture in Revelation chapter 2, you don't even have to turn there because you know it by heart. Yet I have somewhat against thee because you've left your first love. You know what he's saying? You love me, but you don't love me with all your heart, your soul, all your mind, all your strength like you did at first. So I reject you on those bases. Well, they want, if he rejected a whole church doing so much, how in the world do we figure we escape? How can, we, how can you do yourself like that? How can you uh, convince yourself of such? Here's a church that was rejected. Not because they were not doing, not because they were not involved religiously, not because they were laying down judgment. They were laying down hard judgment. If you don't believe it, you read it. But they didn't love God with all of their heart, their soul, their mind, and their strength. And they one time they did love him like that. And God said, I can't accept you like that. I can't accept you like that when you used to love me like you should. And you know how to do it. And you can't do it. But you want to mix a little something else in with it. You want to be diligent and, and, and go to the camp meeting and preach some hard judgment messages and, and expose false prophets and cry against Babylon, but you still want to live on a, another plane of love. You want to leave just a little bit of leeway there. I can't accept that. Well, look, look at all this we're doing. I'm sorry. It's a commandment, children. It's a commandment tonight in, in, in eternity. In eternity, in the judgment, we'll look back on this. It's a commandment, children. Whether you write it off and think differently, would not allow yourself to go into it. You might not. See, many people will not allow themselves to go into this because they don't care to go into nothing that deep. They don't want to disturb their little self-concocted peace. So they just leave it alone. Well, that's detrimental. Well, I love the Lord, yeah, but do you love him like this? 
I love the Lord, but you love pleasure more, do you? What pleases you more? You can just relax and just go on off into what you really love. Just go off into it and give yourself to it unreservedly. But it's such a strain to do just for, to try to try to muster up 15 minutes for God. It's just such a strain to try to pray five minutes. It's such a strain. It's such a strain to, uh, to read a couple of chapters in the Bible. It's such a strain, such a strain. So much of a strain that we might have tried it once or twice a week. Isn't that, isn't that sad? Isn't that, look like that would be obvious enough for everybody to see it, doesn't it? Look like they would be able to make a comparison and become alarmed and distressed. But did you know people go to sleep tonight and, and forget this altogether? And nowhere in the proximity of it. The first commandment, to love the Lord with all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. The one, the enemy, is inventing things, presenting things that looks innocent, but it's trying to divide your love, get your mind on it. The one you can eat all this game, you can even get a computer to get playing games on all that kind of thing, get caught up in it and, and lose your soul, as good as they might be for some purposes. They'll find something to take your time and your affection and your thoughts and you'll find yourself more involved and more affectionate toward it and more intrigued than you are the prayer, your, your prayer hour. You think about it. You, think, you, you just think about it. They want, I'm your pastor. I'm looking out for your souls. When I bring you something, don't just turn it off and say, well, I know what I'm doing, I know how far to go. Listen to me, please. Just listen to me. I know how far to go. I ain't going too far. I know how far I'm going. See, I've had people say that down through the years because they didn't want to leave it alone. They said, well, I know how far to go. I ain't going too far. But when God sounds the trumpet, he sounded for a reason. And you might well be the reason. children. Just let me repeat this and then I'm gonna have to let it go because I, I can only unburden my heart as far as I can go. Do you want, this is a standard. Do you understand me? This is a commandment. This is not an option. Do you under, can, you, can you perceive that? As austere and as far-reaching as it is, it's a commandment. That's commanded of you. It's not something you can do or not do and be right. And then it has to be that way. It, it can't be something you can just breathe by and say, I'm doing it. I love him. I Lord have mercy. Because he first and perched 